0: Welcome to the Wellness Alchemy podcast, I'm your host Janelle and I'm a naturopath, herbalist and nutritionist and the owner of Seeds of Health. I've got a special interest in the metaphysics of disease and intuitive alchemy. The Wellness Alchemy podcast is a space I've created to share inspiration and conversations around three of my favourite topics, health, truth and adventure. Episode 1 kicks off with a very special guest, Rob Young. He's an incredible human and he was the facilitator of my recent 10-day vision quest in the Flinders Ranges in South Australia. He's a gentle, open-minded and humble man. And I hope you enjoy Episode 1 where we dive into getting to understand what a vision quest is and a little bit about the man who offers them. Welcome Rob. It's super exciting to have you on the very first episode of the Wellness Alchemy podcast. Um, I found you to be such a gentle, patient and wise man. Um, so it's an absolute honor to have you on the first podcast episode to talk about something that I know you're super passionate about, the vision quests that you hold in South Australia in the Flinders Ranges. So welcome.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we both are after a few technical glitches. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> All right.
0: So um, firstly, can you tell us what a vision quest is for the listeners?
1: Um, hmm. um <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I... I'm just, you know, whenever I hear the word quest, I know that that's a a fairly broad definition and then vision quest. um, But in relationship to that's what it's called here in Australia, that's what I offer, Uh, it's really an opportunity for an individual to uh, rediscover or reconnect or find a part of themselves that perhaps They've lost, or they've missed, or um, um, yeah, the. the um, gee, I'm not quite sure how to say this now. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a format for for an individual to uh, either rediscover, reconnect, or discover or connect with a part of themselves that um, is often lo- lost in our busy um, Uh, life that we live and the kind of culture and society that we particularly live in.
0: Mm. I've um, shared with people when they've asked me, um, I've said that it's time to sit with your soul because I I felt like that was um, a piece of quiet that I got while I was out there. And I think some of what you shared then aligns with that.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose when I've questioned myself, um, yeah, it really is just a chance to be with yourself, and mm. whether you call it your soul or your heart or um, mm. or your your simply your being, it mm. really is. A chance. Um, because of all the distractions that we normally have in our day to day life, we don't get a lot of. We don't spend a lot of time with ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I was going to say the last time we talked, um, in, you know, uh, if a person does something wrong in society um, badly enough, they'll be sent to jail. But if they do something wrong in the jail, <laughs> then they're sent into solitary confinement. And that's looked upon as a punishment. Uh, now, when you think about it, so what does that mean? It, it, it's like a punishment to be with ourselves. And, um, yeah, it, it for some people it really is. So it demonstrates to me a, a sort of um, weird relationship that we don't have with ourselves uh, where, where it's deemed a, a punishment to spend time on your own. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, super interesting point. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your background and who you are, a little bit about yourself? Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm uh, born in Australia. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm in my uh, late 60s, apparently. And, (laughs) uh, yeah, I've had a variety of life experiences, Um, I guess I think you know, I grew up in the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties, and particularly the nineteen sixties was a very exciting time to experience. Um, and I guess by the time I was eighteen, nineteen, I really started to wonder, well, what is life about? Like, what what do you what do you do with your life, or what's it about? And um, fortunately, I was. Um, that thirst was guided by uh, my environment and what was happening culturally, for some people uh, in in the Western world, if you like. And so, really, it, my, it, my quest really began in my late teens, where I really wanted to question um, the nature of of my life and the purpose of my life, and what to do with myself. And so, it really, really uh, began a, a lifelong experience or a lifelong quest of um, you know wanting to explore that, wanting to know who I am, and hmm. um, consequently, you know, I, I've never really chosen a uh, an external career uh, because um, I find the in- internal career is much more fulfilling and much more uh, rewarding, and in the end. Really, as you mentioned before, it's about our soul. It's about our um, the experience that we, the opportunity that we have being alive. Um, Mm. um, Yeah, yeah, nevertheless. uh, Obviously, we need to to make an income and all that sort of stuff. Um, But that's never really been my main focus.
0: mm, The internal career has been juicier for you.
1: Uh, yeah, certainly um, it's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, very interesting and yeah. staying in other places too.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So I guess um, that's what you feel is is what makes the Vision Quest so special. Um, would you say that that internal career, how you put it? Um,
1: uh, yes, yeah, I, I um, in my early 20s I started to pursue uh, what is now called vision questing. Uh, of course, back then I had no awareness that it was called a vision quest, but that was the primary step in my um, process of self-discovery. Um, yeah, and, and I think because of the uh, profound experiences i had then in my early 20s it it did lead me to the path that i've taken in my life and then of course you know 20 years later it led me to um contemplate about offering uh, other people the opportunity to do quests uh, in that format and i guess basically the format we're talking about is being out in nature spending three or four days and nights on your own and fasting from food, uh, and sometimes uh, fasting from water as well. Uh, but the quest that I run, um, you have the option of of having uh, water. Mm. So yeah, when we talk about vision quests, that's that's what the essence of what we're talking about.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I know you did your very first vision quest in America, and. From what you've shared with me, that's what inspired you to run them back in Australia. Um, so I guess I'm curious why you chose the Flinders Rangers to facilitate that.
1: Um, well, I originally invited the the people that um, I did my first vision quest within um, California. I invited them. My vision, really, from that quest, if you like, was hey, I'd like to offer this. Uh, to people in Australia, because nobody was doing it then. And um, and also I'd like to learn uh, from these people uh, how to run them eventually myself. Uh, and so when I came back, of course, being fortunate in South Australia, uh, which is really a desert state um, or semi-arid state, uh, you know, six, seven-hour drive north from Adelaide, there was the very beautiful Flinders Ranges, which up until that time, I think i know I'd only ever been to twice and hadn't really explored it. And so um, uh, in early 1993, I uh, um, I drove up to the Flinders Ranges and uh, looked around for a suitable environment where um, I could invite um, the people from the United States over to to run a quest. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was very fortunate. A lot of people outside outside of South Australia may not know much about the Flinders Ranges, but it's a very, uh, very beautiful environment, a very old part of Australia. A lot of very old fossils have been and are still being discovered there these days. Uh, And it just has a natural ambience of being far enough away from uh you know towns and cities and noise and civilization that uh, uh, it's a great environment it's just a really good and then the journey up there of course is part of mm. the quest it's, it's uh, long enough t- for you to feel as though you're really leaving um, leaving you the safety of your familiarity and of course for people coming from interstate it's uh it's uh um, the bigger journey because they've, they've flown from somewhere and then they've landed here and then we've driven driven up there. So, um, uh, of course, I've done it so many times now, I can't remember the original feeling. Yeah. Um, although, although, yeah, I do remember the magic, very much the magic when I was looking for that, the area that we go to. Um, and, um, yeah, I hope that people have a little bit of that experience, uh, when they come along as well.
0: Mm. I found the environment to have such harsh beauty. Um, yeah. mm. and as we both experienced, we had 24 hours of rain while we we're out there. So that was just an added element to that really mm. harsh environment.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I do remember, uh, a couple of, um, I remember there was one person who came and did a quest, and when they came back from their time on their own, they, they said that when they'd first arrived, um, everything or, or they just saw bushes and trees, you know, they just had no, everything was just green. And mm-hmm. they said when they came back in from their quest, they, they slowly, it slowly realized and dawned on them, and they slowly started to recognize all the different kinds of trees and bushes that were out there mm. and um and i just thought uh you know that's that was fascinating and another person was very uh that come from ireland and uh was very very worried about that environment and of course it was as you can imagine um lovely green wet island is very different from flinders rangers and yet she she was incredibly concerned about um, the hostile harshness. And yet when she came in for her solo time, she had fallen in love with the Flinders Rangers and no longer saw Australia as being a kind of um, a hostile, harsh environment. Mm. So, um, yeah, so it's just interesting how we have all our own perspectives and views on things and yet um, nature just sits there and is what it is and uh off of all our different experiences and ideas and things from it
0: yeah i had a question around that actually i i felt really supported during the quest um even though i was alone in the bush and i guess i i feel somewhat comfortable in the bush but didn't really know what to expect in a new environment um but there was never a feeling of um, worry of what would happen because of all the support that you provided. So do you have anything to say around that for people who are perhaps feeling a little more frightened or uncomfortable with the, by the idea of fasting solo or even just generally going on a vision quest?
1: Yeah, look, it really is a process, the um, right from So when a person first hears about a vision quest and then maybe something deep inside of them is suggesting that they ought to do a vision quest. And at that point, people's fears come up and people's uncertainties. And some of the fears are based on, you know, uh, a a fact and other fears are completely irrational. And you know people have fear of insects or fear of the dark or fear of being on their own or a lot of different reasons and you can imagine a lot of people of course uh, are so frightened of doing a vision quest that they'll never do a vision quest they they um, eliminate themselves straight away but for people who uh, something inside of them is bigger uh, that they feel that they're going to get something from doing this so uh, you know, they've got a momentum to do it, but then, of course, all their fears come up still. And um, and then they tell their friends about it, and then their friends, all their fears come up, and then their friends try to project their fears onto the person that's thinking of doing the quest. So it's a real process that people go through. Uh, and I I acknowledge that. I mean, it's, uh, it is a, a big uncertainty, uh, and there's a lot of fear, uh, good fear as well. Um, so of course, part of our job is to um, is to support people um, and help people get here, arrive here um, and then go through that process and the way the quest is designed is um, is gradually a bit of a practice um, before we actually do go out on your own on your solo time you know like the first night we get there, we camp around the base camp, the kitchen tent and what have you and you have your first experience sleeping on the ground and, you know, under the stars or with the different sounds of night and what have you. And um, so, yeah, so gradually you incorporate yourself into that environment. And then, of course, psychologically, you know, you don't want to get lost either. So you you become familiar with the, with the environment. So, yeah, it's a real process in order for people to feel um, supported, safe, Um, and uh, excited, as well as feeling a bit of dread, excited to actually go out and spend some time in nature. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. I definitely experienced that, that um, edging towards the solo time with very intentional um, experiences along the way to prepare us.
1: Mm. It was done Mm.
0: really
1: well, yeah. You remember some of the ceremonies that we did in those few nights before. Um, Yeah, they're they're obviously also designed for people to hear other people's uh, story and also have a chance to share a bit of their own uh, fear, if it is, or their intention or, um, um, yeah, uh, a chance to sort of open up and, hear themselves speak about why they're out there and doing what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, human beings don't like uncertainty, <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, life can be terrifying, and so we do our best to somehow or other make things certain, safe and uh, predictable. Um, but, of course, on one level, a like vision quest is very much um, an uncertain uh, Uh, Potential, Um, Mm -hmm. but but naturally, uh, you know, there's a few, um, um, you know, there's snakes out of that environment. So it's a healthy fear to have about a snake. You know, there's practical reality things uh, Mm -hmm. for our own personal safety that we need to acknowledge. Um, And so, of course, that's a big part of our job is to make people um, feel confident that um, you know. Whatever that, wherever they go and what they do, that they're going to be able to, um, yeah, come back with a deeper feeling of of their lives.
0: Hmm. I would also add that um, we're working, or I felt we were working with nature while we we're out there. So even though it's unknown and um, that potentially feels scary, there's a a beautiful connection to the natural ebb and flow of life out there as opposed to us fitting into a um, lifestyle in a suburb or a city or the stresses that come with that where we're not able to honour our own needs and our own ebb and flow. Um, yeah. So that was, a, that was a nice connection that I felt. And I know I've said to you that I really felt held by um, Mother Nature while I was out there and my personal mm-hmm. experience was I was quite anxious leaving base camp um, for a variety of reasons um, on my first morning heading out to solo time and the moment I got to my solo spot, there was this, there was this feeling of surrender and this feeling of joy and during that three-day solo time, I, I definitely felt um, held by oh, nature. Mm. It was this... Yeah. Um, deep sense of trust, which uh, can really only be felt rather than put into words.
1: Mm, mm. For sure. I mean, you know, as we've talked before, uh, the amazing disconnect we have with nature, we pay a high price for. And, um, but nature is really where we've come from and where we'll go back to. Mm. Uh, and um, we're doing our best to sort of destroy it uh, or not acknowledge it, um, and uh, you look look around and we 're paying the price for that mm. so no, I, I know what you mean. That was my uh, first big experience when I did my quest in the United States. Just how supportive uh, nature is towards it's not only that we walk on it, but that we can count on it, we can look to it we can um, it, it, it can be a healing. Avenue for us, and you know, a lot of more enlightened health practitioners day these days are uh, recommending people, as part of um, you know, treatment for whatever the problem that they've got, that they go on uh, nature walks, and uh, you know, the Japanese concept of forest bathing is um, uh, is sort of infiltrating the West more where. Um, where we walk very mindfully through nature. And uh, even if it's just a couple of hours and then um, come back. Um, I remember an old Native American saying that, that if you're depressed, just walk out into nature, sit down, light a little a little fire, sit down, look at the fire. And when you come back, you'll, you'll feel a lot better. Mm. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And um, as I said, I've read about people who've got cancer, and part of their treatment is to uh, is to reconnect to nature. Mm. So, um, yeah, um, it's no real big surprise when you think about it. That's why a lot yeah. of people like going, like going to the beach. Just, like to the beach.
0: <laughs> sorry, I cut you off. What was that?
1: Uh, that's why a lot of people like to go camping and like we like go yeah. down to the beach and, and all that. It's like, hey, I need. I need, need to be reminded of my relationship to the earth and to the water and to fire. and mm. um, yeah, yeah.
0: It's just give, being given permission, right? Someone else says it's okay. And all of a sudden this stressed wound up person goes, Oh, you mean I can sit and do nothing and connect to the earth?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, that it's it's always just, thought
0: of as a logical option, but it really is sometimes that need for permission.
1: Yeah, I think so, because we've become so disconnected from it. I mean, uh, last year I went to uh, Hong Kong for the first time in 35 years. <laughs> I, was, I was just shocked. I mean, I was just shocked at the, um, at the environment there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Hong Kong is an example of the densest population in the smallest amount of space, so it's a bit of an extreme example. But, um, yeah, I could sort of see, you know, wealth can um, cocoon you to a degree or you might be able to fly off to the Mediterranean or something and get your holidays. But for a lot of people living there who aren't so wealthy, um, I saw um, a lot of unhappiness.
0: Mm. A lot of disconnection.
1: Uh, well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so you've been running these for 25 years. Um, I'm curious what kind of person you've noticed has been drawn to the Vision Quest, if there's been any rhythm in that.
1: Yeah, there's been a few over the years. Um, uh, In the early years, well, it's gone through different stages, but in the early years it was really predominantly women. uh, you know, like 60, 40 in favour of women. Uh, and then there was a period where it was kind of equal. Uh, and now we're in a period where it's predominantly women again. And um, as a man, I've, I've I've been very disappointed in, uh, uh, in men. <laughs> I think women, uh, in a lot of ways, have uh, much more courage to go within. Um, Uh, Oh, how can I put this without offending any men listening? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. No, I've just, yeah, that's one thing I've definitely noticed, that women are much more open to their soul and their spirit and they seem to have uh, more courage. Or maybe they just simply recognise the value of it, uh, whereas men, um, men don't. Uh, but, of course, a lot of men have done quests and uh, they get uh, the similar benefit. Um, ages vary. Uh, that's never been anything um, outstanding. There's always a wide range of ages. Um, and I don't really uh, look at it too much more than that. You know, I I'm not interested in what people do for a living. Uh, of course i 'm sort of need to be aware of what 's going on in a person 's life as to why they 've felt the need to do a quest because that will help them and help me sort of um, give them more support um, you know sometimes sometimes uh, some women are dealing with sexual abuse from the past that um they've never really allowed themselves to open up to or admit or talk about, Uh, sometimes for men as well. Um, Sometimes people are dealing with grief that they've never been really able to um, be free of or express or really sit down with. They've never been in a situation where they can actually invite the source of their grief uh, to be with them in such an uninterrupted way. Um, it really, all those things, but particularly grief, uh, abuse and, and change of life thresholds. you know, where maybe you're moving into middle age or, um, and sometimes people come on a quest for very specific reasons. They're at a crossroad, they want to, uh, they're seeking a, an external direction. Um, and sometimes uh, I remember sometimes people come out, they are really, you know, they want to connect with nature and they want to do this and they want to do that. But when you sit down and talk with them, you realise, well, they realise that they're incredibly, they're very dysfunctional people and uh, they've never been able to kind of free themselves of that dysfunction. And, and, um, And I always see it as like when you, you know, uh, when you begin a journey, you your feet have to touch the ground, and you know, to make that journey uh, real. And of course, a lot of us are on journeys that are just entirely in our head um, because of whatever reasons. Um, whereas out on the out on the vision quest, you're going to be brought right down to earth straight away. And then, some, what I'm trying to say is, sometimes you've got to deal with some things in your life before you can actually be receptive to the the bigger the bigger picture of your own life um, and that you know obviously includes repeating old old patterns that no longer serve you anymore but you can't seem to get out away from from being able to uh, be free of those patterns so does that answer your question much?
0: yeah it does and it it even ties into Um, another question I had that I know that you feel every person on earth would benefit from doing a vision quest and I guess what you shared just then shed light on that Did but did you have anything more to add to why you have that belief?
1: Um, You know, one one of the things that uh, I might have even mentioned it when you were questing but one of the things that um, that I witness. And, you know, obviously I have a different perspective and one that's based on a lot of experience. But one of the simplest things I see is that all of us need to feel uh, loved. All of us need to just simply feel that it's okay, you know, that, you, that we're all right. And, um, and God, you know, we, when we don't feel that, and especially if we didn't feel that as a child growing up, our lives become so um, so tangled. And, um, and sometimes we make decisions when we're young that we spend the rest of our lives dealing with the consequence of those decisions. Um, and, yeah, so uh, I think... Yes, one of the biggest things that I often feel is that sometimes I just feel like putting my arm around a question and saying, it's all right, you're loved, you're okay. Just allow yourself to, to acknowledge that about yourself because, you know, in the end, if we don't have self-love, um, then um, really no external kind of love is actually ever going to really uh, hit the mark. Um, as well as having self-love. Um, you know, I just sort of see we, our characters are, are a product of our early la- early years and um, sometimes that can be a very positive uh, character but other times life happens and things happen and um, we, we are not really truly be being who we are like a child learns very quickly um that they only get approval from their parents if they behave correctly Uh, and so they grow up you know behaving correctly and of course you know there's certain socializations that needs to happen um but then that can just make a person become really um crippled, uh, you know, because they, they're always looking for permission from other people or they're always, uh, I mean, I was brought up very, very well behaved. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I see how, it, uh, you know, and of course in my teenage years, I, I had to rebel against that. Uh, I had nowhere else to go. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I find it fascinating. And I, I'm sure I'm not saying anything particularly uh, unique I'm sure a lot of us listening uh, know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Mm. But I think Mm. the beauty of what you offer is that it's something I felt anyway is the time out there in such a supportive dynamic and environment allows you to actually feel that in yourselves. So you provide the space where you acknowledge to the questers that Individually, I definitely felt it that, you know, you're okay, no matter what's going on. And I was definitely in a very dark place when I started it. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the solo quest time and all of the support leading up to that solo time allows you to actually feel it. So when you leave, you can, mm-hmm. you can understand it in a feeling sense rather than a knowing sense. And I think that's the, that allows that deep shift that I felt.
1: Yeah, that's, you've really hit it really well. I mean, um, life is about feeling and, um, because of our natures, we retreat into our head and we kind of think too much. And, um, and sometimes we have feelings that we really don't want to feel uh, they're very painful. And so we naturally avoid them and, um, and, and at our own cost, um, that avoidance. Um, so, yeah, um, out there, if things have run well, then you have an opportunity to begin to feel a little bit, um, and sometimes it can be covered in tears to go through that doorway um, because it is painful. Um, mm. um, first, when I was first questing on my own, in my early twenties, that was the profound uh, experience that I had and that I was opened up to some feelings I hadn't had that I'd closed off from when I was, you know, for a good seven or eight years. And suddenly I can remember still just suddenly feeling this tremendous amount of energy and blood going through my uh, chest area. And I realized I'd cut I'd cut a lot of my feeling off from myself, even my hands. I, 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 whatever reason, I'd cut any feeling off that I had in my hands, and uh, and suddenly my hands were just uh, vibrating with just natural energy. That wow! And I, I just lived. I'd lived like that for from when I was like fourteen to about twenty-two, not realizing that I actually wasn't really feeling anything. And suddenly that first journey that I took, um, it just flooded me with, uh, and through a lot of tears as well, it flooded me with this feeling of my body that I had just cut myself off from, Uh, you know, for for particular reasons when I was 14.
0: Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Mm, mm, Mm. Yeah,
1: And, and I guess that's why maybe I've sort of ended up doing this kind of thing is because I've certainly... Know the experience well. Uh, yeah, you enough. felt
0: it physically, which helps yeah. you believe it in those early days, yeah. right?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, mm. So lastly, you have said you s- shared with all of the questers um, that I was questing with that the real quest begins after the ten days. What do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> well. Um, uh, I guess it's the real quest is not necessarily not really the right description, but you know we've just spent nine ten days out in the bush. Uh, we've had a very um, we've created or, or entered into a world that's unique for that group, and we've done our solo time. We've come back with the insights and healing and uh, fun of of that. And we share that. We listen to other people's stories. Things connect. We understand a bit more about our journey. And then, of course, um, you know, a couple of days after that, we've got to jump in the car and drive back to to uh, cities and towns and our lives and our jobs and our responsibilities and the consequences of choices that we might have made years ago. <laughs> Um, and so, of course, how are we going to do that? How are we going to take a bit of that? Um, uh, how are we going to keep a bit of that experience that's been shown to us? How are we going to keep that when we go back into uh, our, the lives that we've created? And, of course, that's what I'm referring to. Um, and for sure, uh, a very small number of people, they don't follow up on what they've gained from their quest. And um, uh, the quest doesn't uh, unfold in such a potent way for them because they've decided to just go back to how they were and who they were before the quest. And they haven't decided to make, uh, you know, some better choices. Um, But for the majority of people, there's always going to be the original experience of their first quest with them. And then that's a source of um, a lot of energy and a lot of understanding. Um, But, yeah, nevertheless, we, um, but, you know, on the same time, I've heard remarkable stories of people's lives completely changed within months of coming back from the quest. Um, And uh, and also physically, some people uh, have, uh, their lives have just opened up in such a way you know they've ended up on the other side of the planet, or something, within a few months of their journey, and something that they would have never imagined. Um, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to present the quest as some kind of um, um, a carrot, you know, like a, a piece of bait, because uh, it's not like that. You you have to go there for your own reasons. But certainly, I've I've witnessed some amazing stories that have come from people doing a quest and, and which is another reason why I like to play a humble little part in, in, mm. in that. So. Um, and I,
0: I know that you're, to add to that, you shared with me that sometimes you feel certain individuals probably haven't got what they wanted out of it, but because you keep that communication channel open after the quest, you've observed over the years from what you've shared with me that there's just so many gems for each individual, and they don't follow the same timeline.
1: No, that's right. That's that's exactly right. Um, so some people, it, it's immediate, and other people, it's a slow opening up. Maybe they've just got a lot of concrete on them, and it, it just takes a few cracks to release mm. that concrete. It takes a little while for for the new sprout to shoot out. <laughs> other times, people just it's been broken wide open from when they come in from their journey and and um yeah so it varies for everyone. Um mm. yeah, yeah. Beautiful.
0: Thank you. It's, well I've uh, really enjoyed the chat. Did you have anything more that you wanted to add around vision quests or anything before we finish up?
1: Um yeah, uh like listen listen to your heart. I mean uh, you no, know, if you remember, I early on when people we first meet, I just sometimes remember to remind people that this is a journey of the heart. It's um, it's um, and that that thirst inside of us that seeks fulfilment and that can't find it in this world. Mm. Um, listen to that, um, and um, because that's that's your heart call them out to you, say, hey, don't forget me. Yeah. <laughs> You've forgotten me. Um, don't forget me because what are you going to have uh, as you grow uh, if you don't have your heart? You might have everything, but you certainly won't have happiness or, um, or that deep fulfilment that only comes from truly knowing yourself and appreciating and having gratitude in your life. So, um, mm,
0: That's yeah, a beautiful I, reminder.
1: I would encourage people to listen to their heart and um, uh, find gratitude. Mm. I mean, you could talk about these things (laughs) a lot, but I guess we have to wrap it up.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated that about the quest is there was time to have conversations around these topics and, and the group of people that were drawn to my particular quest anyway. There was just um yeah, a really beautiful, diverse amount of topics and conversation and most importantly time to have those conversations. And I've really enjoyed many, many chats that I've had with you. So I agree with you that this this could Go on, <laughs> but um, right. thank you for allowing the listeners to understand a little bit more—a little bit more about what a vision quest is and um, the the beauty of putting their trust in you and um, the benefit that they can get out of a vision quest. That deep,
1: mm-hmm. deep mm-hmm.
0: knowing and yeah, space to be.
1: And also um having trust in themselves, uh, mm. I see that more um we we uh are brought up almost not to trust ourselves and um and so we can lose that skill, have our doubts and all that sort of stuff so um yeah, it's also about trusting oh well, trusting our heart, trusting that voice, trusting our thirst,
0: mm, yeah. Beautiful note to finish on. Thank you, Rob.
1: Yeah.
0: It's been it's nice an honour to join episode one with you.
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I'm grateful. It's, uh, it's a great idea. <laughs> I was just going to say I loved hearing the birds in the background. I don't know if they were on on the recording, but yeah, right. Running. Oh,
0: I hope so. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Was, they're quite chatty this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All, all right. right. Well, and I'll be putting all of
0: Rob's contact details in the podcast notes. So um, no. there'll be plenty of opportunity to connect with him if you feel that this is the perfect opportunity for you. Great. Thank you again. Okay. All right. Thank you. See ya. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Wellness Alchemy podcast. I hope you enjoyed Episode 1. Please leave a review and of course, subscribe to the podcast to help spread the word around health, truth and adventure from the Seeds of Health corner of the globe. As always, I'm open to hearing your questions or even suggestions of who or what you would like to know more about or be interviewed. Until next episode, bye for now.